everyone, J.J. Cooper here, another Baseball America Playoff Podcast solo edition today. We do this sometimes during the playoffs because we do want to have a new podcast for you every morning, weekday morning, I should say, during the playoffs. Two games last night, who we were looking forward to having a game followed by a game, but instead, thanks to rain in Atlanta, we got two games at the same time, but two very compelling games and Maybe a little different if you have a rooting interest in these games a little different than I do, but if you just want good baseball, two games that ensure that we're going to get more good baseball, hopefully more good baseball, definitely more baseball, because we had the Braves and the Padres both come back to even their series. Both these teams, we will hit the road, we will head to Philly, we will head to San Diego, tied 1-1, and we're going to cover both of them today, but we're going to start with the Braves and the Phillies which, again, both these games were compelling. But to me, at least, I I felt like even a little bit more compelling of the two games. And the things that stood out, there are two things that stood out last night to me. We'll talk about Kyle Wright in a minute and what he has done to kind of turn around his career. But if I was going to summarize last night's game, the, the thing that stood out most to me was the defense. And this is something that we knew coming into this series very well could be a, a key factor in this series. The Phillies have a solid lineup. They have a very good starting pitching staff. They have an, a little bit iffy bullpen, but okay. But the one other thing that you would say is potentially a drawback for them is their defense, is their team defense. And if you look around the diamond. I think the only position where you could say that the Phillies have a better defender than the Braves do is at catcher. And that's not because Travis Darno is not good defensively, but I think JT Romuto is really good defensively and is better defensively. So, but if you say, okay, the Phillies are better at catcher. If you go around the infield, I think at every position around the infield, you could say that the Braves are better. If you go to the outfield, the Phillies have a pair of corner outfielders in Kyle Schwarmer and Nick Castellanos who are have long been considered fringy defensively. Now, yes, Castellanos did have that amazing catch uh, to help in second out of the ninth inning of game one, but that's partly that was remarkable because no one expected Nick Castellanos to make that catch because Nick Castellanos is not a great outfielder. Whereas the Braves, obviously Ronald Acuna is not what he is with a fully healthy knee. He's been a little bit banged up this year. But Michael Harris is an exceptional center fielder. And just across the board, generally the Braves in the outfielder are rangier and, and better as well. Didn't really see that matter much in game one. Felt like we did see that matter in game two. Like it didn't matter in part in game one because credit to Nick Castellanos, great catch. Maybe a very different game if he doesn't make that catch. But in game two... Obviously, I think the the most important part of this is is kind of what the Phillies failed to do, I, I guess you would say. And when you're talking about that, you, you have to say that, okay, we had a very tight back and forth 0-0 game for the first five innings, but you get to the sixth inning, you get to a situation where the Braves have two outs, and it's a situation where the Phillies can get out of this if they can just make one play. And and Matt Olson hits a ball to Reese Hoskins at first base that I'm not saying it was an easy play. 
But I am saying it's a makeable play. And, and that's where Reese Hoskins, who's never been had a, a great defensive reputation, he not only can't make the play, which if he makes the play, again, tough play, but if he makes the play, gets, you know, throws the pitcher to Wheeler covering, they get out of the inning. But instead, the ball gets through, which is probably also the difference between potentially between Ronald Acuna scoring from second and Ronald Acuna having to hold up at third. Okay, at that point, then Austin Riley hits a ball about, what, 35, 40 feet. And I am not saying Zach Wheeler should have made that play. (laughs) But again, it's one of those where it wasn't like this was a smoked ball. But because the inning's still going on, another run scores. Then Travis Darnot singles up the middle. Again, I'm not saying that's even an easy play, but it wasn't, it was kind of a seeing eye single more than it was, oh, no one's going to make that play. And so on the Philly side, you had this one inning in a game where they played really well, that kind of where it all fell apart. But the flip side of that is, is that on the Brave side, you have Dansby Swanson making a catch where he's running straight out, like, and go over the, over the shoulder catch on a fly ball. You have Austin Riley making a catch on a foul ball down the line where he basically puts his body on the line and makes the play. You had the Braves making excellent plays defensively in a game where if the Phillies defense was just a little bit better, it may have, it may have remained a zero zero game and who knows what happens if it goes to extra innings in that situation. But I don't think that you take away, if you're the Phillies, you come away anyway disappointed that you went, you split in these first two games. You just, if you're a Phillies fan, you wish that you could have figured out a way to get out of that sixth inning. But the other thing that does stand out, we had two starters who both lived up to our expectations for this game, Kyle Wright and Zach Wheeler. And and I did want to talk about Kyle Wright for a minute, just because Wheeler, okay, this has been kind of seen and and foreseen for, for quite a while. Wright it's been much more of a, an open question. And, and the interesting thing about that is, is, you know, you go back to, he was an ace at Vanderbilt. You go back to the 2017 draft and he was the fifth pick overall, one of the best pitchers in that draft class. And if you look at Wright's minor league career, it's very much lived up to those expectations. What was fascinating was, is how he just until this year was not able to take his success in the minors and translate it into the majors. And I'm not going to go granular on this podcast on what he's doing differently. I'm just going to focus on one rather important thing, which is in the minors, Wright always had at least average command and control. And for some reason, and it that did not translate to the majors until this year. If you look at the season he had this year for Atlanta, 21 and 5, which by the way, 20, you know, 20 plus wins, obviously very difficult to do these days. But 21 and 5, 319 ERA, 2.65 walks per nine, 8.7 strikeouts per nine, 1.16 whip. It's not all that different than the season that he had in Gwinnett at AAA Gwinnett last year as he tried to figure out a way to kind of put what had been effectively three years of major league struggles behind him. 3.02 ERA at Gwinnett, 2.9 walks per nine, nine strikeouts per nine, 1.18 whip. It was a very similar season. 
But the key thing is, is that in 2018, it's just a few appearances, but he walked nine per nine at the major league level. In 2019, he walked six per nine. In 2020, he walked 5.7 per nine. In 2021, he walked seven per nine. It really was about, again, there's more adjustments than just this, but it is notable and it is, to me, useful to remember. When you see a guy who's having success at the AAA level and it's not clicking for him at the major league level, sometimes it is for a, a pitcher to feel as comfortable pitching at the major league level as they did in the minors. And some other times it's just that, no, what they did in the minors will not work against more advanced hitters. In Kyle Wright's case, it more of he needed to let his stuff play, but that meant throwing strikes. It is notable also with that, like it's a reminder that uh, that that prospect development is not always linear. If we were talking about Kyle Wright a year ago at this time, we would say that he'd shown flashes, but it would also have been a very disappointing uh, development. If we were talking about Keston Hura, another top 10 pick in 2017, a couple of years ago, we'd have said, oh, well, he looks like one of the best picks of the 2017 draft. And here you have Hura, who had an excellent season in Milwaukee in 2019, while Wright was really struggling at the major league level in his kind of first regular exposure to the big leagues. Now you look at this a few years later, and Wright looks like a fixture in the Braves rotation for years to come. And Hura, it's kind of gone backwards since then. It's interesting to me to see how those kind of things work out. So we will have an off day in Braves Phillies. They will head to Philly, and we will see them again on Saturday, but in a series that is tied 1-1 now. We're going to also talk about Dodgers Padres, but first, we're going to have a quick break. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we're back. So, Padres Dodgers last night. We do have the Padres evening up the series. We had, again, another very solid pitching matchup. I don't think I'll ever look askance at you, Darvish, versus Clayton Kershaw. But the thing that stands out to me about last night for that Dodgers Padres series yes, you had Darvish on the mound, you had Kershaw on the mound. But you also, at the end of the day, ended up being a battle of bullpens because after five innings, three, three, both starters exit the game. Now we're in a battle of the bullpens. And what I wanted to talk about from last night's game, from that perspective, is the work that we got from the Padres bullpen, which most notably was from Robert Suarez and Nick Martinez, followed by Josh Hader. And yes, Hader is a big name, obviously been one of the best relievers in the National League for, for a number of years, traded this year, kind of lost his way, came back. Seems to be back on track now. Uh, big, you know, big stuff. You already knew that. But the thing that I do want to touch on is, and this is, to me, this is a way that the Padres and some other teams have found a, uh, a little advantage on some other teams, is, is scouting the Pacific Rim, scouting Japanese 
Korean baseball, but especially Japanese baseball, very well. Because as you listen to these broadcasts, it may sound like that Suarez kind of has come out of nowhere. And, and, and I think that that's a little bit of a misnomer because, yes, he was originally in the Mexican League and then he went to Japan in 2016. But the thing about that is, is Japan, it, it, it is something where he's, he's been a solid pitcher in Japan for several years. And so if you look at the work, especially that he did in Han, with Hanshin in 2020 and 2021, he was one of the best closers in the Japanese years. And the great thing nowadays is pitching is pitching. It doesn't mean it 100% translates, but... If you watch Suarez pitch last night, you can see where you didn't have to ask a question if you scouted Suarez in Japan about whether this stuff had a chance to play at the big league level. Suarez in 2021 had 42 saves for Hanshin, had a one-something ERA, struck out uh, a batter an inning basically and walked no one. 58-8, to eight, I believe it was, in 62 innings. So... That's a great reliever, and great relievers in Japan can translate into the uh, to the U.S. as we've seen before. And by the way, if you're wondering, like, okay, well, are there other examples of that? How about the guy who followed him and Nick Martinez? Yes, Nick Martinez had had much more of a, a a more normal development curve where he was in the Rangers organization for for a number of years, but. At the end of the day, he also kind of had to go to Japan to find his way to kind of get established, which often is kind of the road of the pitcher, the 4A pitcher, who's never going to figure it out enough to make it work at the big league level, but can get a nice paycheck in Japan. But the other thing it can do is it can help fill in that last missing piece. And in Martinez's case as well, that is what happened. If you look at what he did last year, if you look at what he did, he was, he had been a, he was, he was a very solid pitcher starter for SoftBank last year uh, in, in Japan, in the Pacific League. And the Padres saw what he did and saw how that would translate, which made him a very valuable swingman who could start, who could relieve. He's done a little bit of both during his career. And to get that kind of value, to get the value of two pitchers who are going to pitch some of the most important innings that you're going to have all year on a team of stars. I mean, that's obviously what the Padres are doing. You, you talk about Darvish, Manny Machado, one of their stars had a great game. Jake Cronenworth kind of broke out a little bit last night. Nice home run. But, but the Padres are not only going to be able to succeed if they just go with stars. You have to fill in pieces around that. And it is notable to me that they managed to do that last night. They managed to do that with a couple of relievers who I don't want to make it sound like free talent, but largely is like overlooked talent. How about that? Overlooked talent that was pitching in Asia, that was pitching in Japan. And they were able to scout it, see it, believe that these pitchers would be able to translate their success to the major leagues as well. They are translating that success to the major leagues as well. And that's why we're sitting here at 1-1 as they'll head to San Diego. It's been a while since it's been a playoff game in San Diego. And to get to do it against the Dodgers, that should be a wild environment this weekend. 
Look at today, I, I, the weather forecast, I keep hearing that the weather forecast for the, the, the Yankees-Guardians game is a little bit iffy. Hopefully that's not the case, but we did get through it last night with Atlanta. Just a little bit of a delayed start in that case. But we'll see, and we hope that we get two games of baseball today, Thursday. American League uh, Division Series continue with Game 2s of both the American League Division Series. And we'll be back to talk about it tomorrow on the Baseball America Playoff Podcast. So long, everybody. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.